Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to another episode of the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. For first-time listeners, please be aware that not all of the conversations within this podcast are suitable for children. I'd also like to add a trigger warning that sometimes the conversations can get a little heavy. We may talk about things like sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug use and alcohol use. And if you feel that that may trigger you, please do not tune in. Also, I'd like to add, if you are a heavy daily drinker, please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Hi, and welcome back to the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. I've got another little solo mini-sode coming at you today. And today I wanted to talk about stress. Stress is pretty much one of the the biggest causes of addiction, problematic drinking, and also one of the main reasons for relapse. All the stresses that we have in life and not knowing how to deal. How do you deal with stress when it shows up? And what does stress look like for you in your life? I know for myself, stress and overwhelmed. Like when I get overwhelmed, I feel very, very stressed. When I feel stressed, my thinking gets a bit scattered. My heart rate elevates. I can't focus on things properly. My hands get sweaty, all sorts of things. And then I act like a bit of an asshole as well. So all those lovely things that my wonderful family have to put up with when I get stressed, if I don't get a handle on that stress when it shows up, So what I wanted to talk about today is stress, obviously, but also recognizing it, what to do when we have it and rewriting our own story around stress. So what's your story around stress? Even if you were to answer this question, when I'm stressed, I dot, 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 what do you do when you're stressed? 
in the past for me, I would have probably had a drink. Absolutely. If something super stressful happened, that was just natural, right? Go to the bottle shop, get a bottle of wine and, and drink, drink it away. And then unfortunately, the stress is still there when we wake up the next day, as we all know, and we still have to deal with said situation or perhaps better coping mechanisms with it. Even if it has passed, there's a strong chance that whatever stressed you out in the first place is going to come back and bite you on the ass again if you didn't deal with it before. We can look at stress, look at what stresses us out in our lives. So it's a really good time to take inventory. Definitely in these solo cast episodes that I'm doing, it's really good to listen with a pen and paper or go back and listen with a pen and paper because I've got some questions for you to journal on. But I guess the first thing is starting to make a list of all the possible potential stresses in our life, stressors in our life, and looking at them, probably numbering them from number one to however many, but number one, once you've written them all out, what is the greatest cause of stress for you in your life? And what's my relationship like with that thing? So, you know, if it's your work and you can't really go and get a new job straight away, obviously we can't get rid of that because we want to look at what we can remove or at least learn to work with. So looking at the list, is there anything on that list that I can actually remove and take out? So in some instances, if you're feeling overwhelmed, like if you're someone who you feel like you've got a bit of the martyr syndrome, I do everything around here, no one helps me, blah, 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 that story that so many of us, particularly women, sorry, women, but a lot of, I hear this from a lot of women. I used to say that story myself all the time, probably occasionally it pops up again as well, that story. But what are we doing about that? How much are we actually asking for help? And sometimes we've set up this situation for ourselves. Like we have taught our family and our loved ones perhaps not to help us. So don't come at me if you're feeling like, what the fuck, Danny Carr? My husband's just a lazy twat. And I ask him for help all the time. And that might be the case. So maybe there, if, if you are asking for help and you're not receiving that, obviously maybe there's need to work on some communication perhaps. But how often do we actually ask for help? I read a book oh, a couple of years ago now, and our grads did it in the grads book club as well, the How I Could Alcohol grads group. So the book was by Cheryl Richardson, and it was called The Art of Self-Care or The Art of Extreme Self-Care. And I know that might sound a bit naffy, and I read the, the title, and I was like, mm, but I'd heard it on a podcast. I thought, no, no, I'll give it a listen. Great book to listen to. It's super quick. It's a very, very short book but also one that you can go back to and listen to over time. But anyway, I digress. One of the greatest tools and takeaways I got from her book and many of the grads commented on this one as well was the asking for help. So actually asking for help when I need it and to lessen the load because so if I'm feeling overwhelmed, which causes me stress, okay, what do I need to do about that? Can I? Who can I ask to help me to take some of this pressure off? So what I do is I'll write a letter to the, the kids and to Ash, to both, I'll put it on the desk or the bench and say, hey, this is where you guys could help me today or I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed today. Could you guys help me out by perhaps doing a couple of these things? And most of the time they're pretty good. I know Ash always does. Kids, mm-mm. But, you know, most of the time they do one or two things. I'm careful in that list not to give them a whole novel's worth of, of things to do but main, mainly things that are within their capabilities that I know that they can definitely help me with and that just takes the pressure off. It might be asking Sunny, hey, just for today, do you mind doing the school lunches or asking Ash, you know, could he do that rather than me feeling like I've got to take it all on and do it myself. So, yeah, again, speaking from my own experience here, that's one thing that really causes me a fair bit of stress and overwhelm. But once I actually ask 
and say, hey, I need some help here. Can you please help me out? But putting it down on paper can really help as well so that they can see it, they can read it, and it's just a lot more clearer then too. And then there's no emotion wrapped up in it. It's just super simple. Hey, can you guys help me? This is where I, I could use some help today. Just asking those questions can create a bit of space and also get us out of that story that can create so much friction and tension within our bodies, that story of I do everything around here. So that is a really, really great tool in reducing stress. Well, it is for me just by asking for help. I did a post about this around Christmas time as well, accepting help. Sometimes that can be really difficult. It's a, oh, it's my, probably one of my biggest Achilles heel is accepting help. I'm not so bad with Ash and the kids perhaps, but from people outside, I'm terrible at it. And at Christmas time, I had my nephew's wife here and another friend here. And normally I'll say no, no, because I don't want them to feel uncomfortable or feel like I'm putting them out by asking them to help. But what I realized was, is actually these two friends are quite introverted. And I know myself, I'm an introvert. When I am somewhere else, at a party, perhaps I like to get in there and help because it makes me feel like I'm doing something and contributing. I just feel so awkward if I'm just sat on the couch and I'm stuck there. So this Christmas I said, yes, please. Yes. I'd love you to like peel the potatoes or, you know, if that's works for you, that's great for me. And oh my God, it took the pressure off. We all had fun in the kitchen together and it just took the pressure off me so immensely that by the time I sat down for dinner and I was sort of getting into it. Okay. And then they're like, can we do anything else? I'm like, yes do this. And it was so fantastic. And I think it helped them as well. Like I said, they're not just sitting around, as my dad would say, like a stale bottle of piss. They were feeling good. They were contributing. And I have never enjoyed Christmas lunch so much when it's been at my house because I sat down, I wasn't frazzled. My nervous system wasn't like way out of its window of tolerance. Uh, And I just sat down and had a really, really good time and I wasn't exhausted. That was the other thing. So Asking for help and also accepting help, I think they're really great ways to avoid or to bring down the stress levels and certainly to bring down overwhelm, of course. So now when we get stressed, obviously we increase our cortisol and cortisol being the stress hormone. And we, of course, there's uh, healthy levels of cortisol, which we need to kind of get up and get going. But when the cortisol becomes too much, that's when we get lots of problems. We get inflammation in the body. It can cause cancers, too much estrogen for women. Uh, and it's, it also causes our little amygdala at the back of the brain there, the little smoke alarm system to get a bit sensitive and get a bit, ah, and that can then send us into fight or flight and just get us completely, yeah, once that alarm system's going and we're in fight or flight, it's really hard to come down again. We start to breathe shallowly, you know, we start to freak out, the mind starts to go a bit crazy. So we really want to manage our stress. And so when we are already stressed and we've increased our cortisol because of our stress, when we drink alcohol, we actually increase cortisol levels. So what you're essentially doing is putting stress on stress. And that's just like, I guess it's just what you're doing is bombing your little amygdala at the back. And we all want happy amygdalas. We don't want freaked out, sensitive ones. We want good, sturdy, resilient amygdalas so that it can experience a bit of, uh, I guess, sensory input of like, oh, danger, but we can calm it down very quickly. So when we're putting the stress on the stress, we're actually weakening or making our amygdala more and more sensitive. So actually, when you're thinking that I'm drinking and it's going to help me my stress, you're actually making it so much worse. 
And definitely from a biological standpoint, it's getting a lot worse. And that's why often when you wake up in the morning after a bit of a big night, you can get the anxiety and things like that. That's because the little amygdala is taking a bit of a full throttle of cortisol input. So it's no good. So really when you're going for alcohol to relieve stress, you remember that little story about the amygdala because it's making it so much worse. What I want you to do is, so again, we're looking at the stresses in life. Where can I either change or what can I take away or how can I change my relationship with this thing that's causing me stress? So if it's within your own relationship, is it better communication? If it's stress that's going on within friendship circles, is it better communication? Is it talking to them about maybe needing a bit of time out for a little bit until you can gather yourself and other ways to control your stress? So just looking at all those things that might be causing stress for you and um, and then just taking a bit of inventory. I just love inventory. You know, I love just sitting down with pen and paper and going, right, what do I need to do here? What's going on for me here? And asking the good questions like, okay, what's this teaching me? My favorite question in journaling, what is this teaching me? Or how can I help myself here? Because ultimately we have to help ourselves. So if we're walking around completely stressed out, and we're not actually dealing with the causes of the stress, you know, we're not helping anyone. We're certainly no fun to live with. And it's creating more and more of that biological stress in the body as well. And we just end up sick, inflamed, high blood pressure, all those things. So how do I recognize if I'm stressed? Writing that down too. What shows up in my body when I feel stress? So because sometimes we get so caught up and carried away with the stress, we're not even stopping to realize, hey, something's going on here. Now we know that little story about the amygdala too. We could go, okay, the fire alarm's going off. What happens too when that fire alarm goes off, it sends a signal to the the hypothalamus, which then kicks in and releases adrenaline. And so all that adrenaline, we started to, you know, we can feel it in our bodies. So there's so many ways, and I've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, If you are in that stress state, what can we do? You know, we can get outside and, and walk around in nature for a bit, take some long breaths extending your exhale in James Nestor's book he talks about this as well about extending the exhale so if you breathe in for four and out for eight just trying that for say 10 rounds of breath that will start to calm the farm and bring you into a better place of resilience it'll bring you into a better window of tolerance where you're able to start making better choices and better decisions and then okay well how can I support myself through this stress So thinking about yourself in the past or even now, when I'm stressed, I dot, 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 or in the past, when I was stressed, I dot, dot, dot. What does it look like for you when you're stressed? What do you do? What's your response? How do you react to your stress? And it's all about awareness. So everything really always is the thought processes, the way we get caught up in things, our reactions to things. We get so in it. And we think it's us, we think it's part of us, but when we can stop and ask some good questions and step back a little bit, we can see, okay, this is just a thought I'm having. This is a thought process that's going on. There's a biological thing going on right now as well. I've got some practices that can help that. So obviously as well, another thing to think about as well, we don't want to just, I mean, the the breathing exercises are fantastic, but we don't want to just use them when the shit hits the fan, really. It's great to start doing those practices throughout the day. So if you're someone like myself who runs a bit hot-headed and your nervous system leans a bit more towards the fight or flight type response, 
it's really important throughout the day to just check in with the breath and maybe just a couple of times throughout the day. You might be at the traffic lights, you might be just taking a moment at work, you might be in between work calls, in between emails. Maybe put a, a timer on your phone every hour to remind yourself, just breathe. So maybe I'll just sit here for four rounds of breath. Ten is great, but even four, two, whatever, you can, whatever you've got, breathe in for four and out for eight. That's going to set up a better foundation so that you're less likely to kick into that stressed, overwhelmed state. And if you do, you're able to bring yourself back a lot quicker. So the breath techniques are fantastic. But if we can make them more of the conversation that we're having with ourselves, with our body, with our nervous system throughout the day, when shit does get real, it makes it a lot easier. We don't want to just use them as the last resort. Like, oh my God, now I'm having a full-blown panic attack. Well, now I'm completely wigging out. I'm going to do my breath work. It's still good. It's still handy. But if you can make it part of the, the process for yourself daily, I think it makes such a big difference. The other thing is sometimes we can't take all the stress out of our life. So it's not so much what is stressing me out, but how do I deal with the stress when it shows up? This is so, so important. Yeah, so if I can't change the stress that I'm having, what are some better coping strategies that I could deploy that are going to help me? So brainstorm just for like a few, you know, a few seconds here, even if you could write down five different things that you could do, coping strategies that are a lot more healthier than alcohol, which is going to increase the stress. So we're fairly well, we've got that. We understand that now. So what are some better coping strategies I could use if I get into overwhelm, if I get into this stressed out zone? And, um, and so what do they look like? So, okay, we've got the breath, taking the breath, you know, in and out and in and out, breathing in for four, out for eight. I think that can be your absolute superpower. It might be uh, using a thing called a havening technique, which uh, the beautiful Nikki Lucas, who's been on this podcast before, uh, she came and talked to our grads one night, but there's lots of stuff on YouTube about havening. And it might look like crossing your arms to touch the opposite elbows. So opposite hands on opposite elbows. So it's like a, a cross. And just gently wiping down, say, from the shoulders down to the elbows and just trying that for 30 seconds. That's a beautiful uh, calming technique, self-soothing technique, which activates both sides of the brain. And when we do that, what we're doing is we're just sort of calming the farm. We're calming the amygdala down. We're calming, we're just calming ourselves. For, so for 30 seconds, just doing, I'm doing this practice now. You can probably hear it through the speaker. That's a beautiful practice or rubbing rubbing your two hands together for 30 seconds as though you're washing your hands. Um, that's a really nice practice as well. Uh, you might get out your journal and just write down for a bit. What's happening for me right now? What's happening? What's going on? What's the story I'm telling myself? That's a really good practice as well. When I get stressed or something's really got me, firstly, I do a bit of breathing to calm down because my adrenaline just, boom, it just kicks in and my heart starts racing and so before I get into perhaps an angry response or yeah, perhaps saying something I'm going to regret, I take some deep breaths straight away, pen and paper, just write down, okay, what's going on here? And I always ask the questions, you know, is this true? You know, the Byron Katie, is this really what's going on? What could be another explanation? Blah, 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 blah. So they're just asking good questions, you know, what's actually happening for me right now. And so just tuning in like that, there are some good coping strategies. 
let's have a look. Let's try and think of another two. You might have some great strategies, which I'd love to hear from you as well. Another thing for me is just having a cup of tea, sitting down, having a cup of tea is really helpful for me. And then I talked on the podcast just recently as well on another mini Minnesota about getting in water if you can. So it might be a shower or a bath. That kind of thing can really help. It depends on how long you've got. But if you don't have long, I would say, look, one of the best things is just going to the breath. The breath is your absolute superpower. So if you can deploy the breath, I think that's just absolute gold. You know, it will change everything for you. So what does it look like for me when I get stressed? So I can recognize the signals when I am starting to get a bit stressed. So it's really important as well, part of this inventory, what happens in my body? What happens to my thinking? What do I start doing? What habits start to kick in? Asking those questions is going to be really, really helpful so that you can recognize, oh, I'm getting a bit stressed out now. And it might be that you start getting shitty with your partner or shitty with the kids and you start to ask yourself, hang on, what's going on? Because if you can nail the stress and kind of nail the nervous system before it gets out of control, you're less likely to then end up reaching for something or having a relapse. If it's something big as well that's causing you stress, go and see a counsellor. Counsellors are just fantastic for just, okay, this is stressing me out. I need some you know, better options here, talking it through with someone, weighing it up just someone from the outside it might be like four five six sessions with a good counselor just to to talk it out and get to the other side of it sometimes it's hard to talk to people within our circles so I'm always up for going to see a therapist going to see a counselor and just working it through have a think about this and get into your journal with this stuff and really like I said taking that inventory really looking at it from an outside in perspective and just knowing that you're the one responsible for your stress levels too. So yes, people from the outside, things, situations can cause us stress, but it's up to us how we deal with that stress. So really, really important, really important part of your recovery is learning to deal with stress, learning how to handle stress and, and coping mechanisms around dealing with stress. And of course, meditation, wonderful. That's great for just a good base level. And also, you know, doing things like yoga and just those good practices, getting out, exercising every day, of course, watching the diet, not eating too many inflammatory foods, all those sort of things that can just cause us to feel super shitty, eat shit, you feel shit, you think shit. So just taking a really good look at it from the outside in and, and just really um, rewriting that story around stress. So now I deal with stress, dot, 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 or this is how I could deal with my stress when I get stressed. In future, I'm going to do this and make that promise to yourself that I will do at least three of these things on my checklist first and then check in again and see how I feel. So I hope that helps. I hope that's helpful to some of you guys. And um, just send through anything you want me to talk about on these little solo mini casts. Hopefully you'll get some useful little tidbits or strategies that will help you in your recovery and staying sober. And just even if you're not in recovery, even if you're not a sober person, all these things help, you know, so Let's just start doing the work. This is doing the work. You know, this is it. Work in action. But one of the, your greatest tools is pen and paper. So get yourself a journal and get into it. Well done, guys. See you soon.